2: Welcome in, Rob Black in your money. This is Mayhem. What a three day run the Wall Street stock market has had. Stocks are tumbling six years in the bull market. Investors are dumping stocks. A lot of them aren't even really investors as much as machines. It's the terminator. He's come. Um and what I mean Yeah, thanks, Arnold. Um, What I mean by that is this is a lot of machine-driven decisions. Um, For years, investors in stocks have shrugged off threats. We've shrugged off government shutdowns. It's been crazy. We've had a fear of the euro collapse. Will Greece stay? Will Greece leave? At the sixth anniversary of the bull market in March, the S&P 500 had more than tripled in value. Holy shnikes, when you bought when things were down, you're up 300% six years later. A wave of selling has hammered major indices. The S&P 500 losing nearly 6% last week. Open down 6% today. That's one of the worst opens of all time. Where do we close? Because again, right now it's machines and margin. Tonight it's going to be people coming home, sitting down, having a bowl of cereal, having dinner with a spouse, whatever it is, looking at the TV, look what's on the television. Stock market was crazy today. I want to sell my mutual funds. I don't trust it. I don't trust America. Corrections are natural. They're very, very natural. A pause in the market gets much higher. Historically, we've had corrections before, hundreds of them, but we forget about them and we forget how painful they feel. The last one was four years ago. Typically, they happen every 12 to 18 months. The bigger trigger for selling last week was evidence of a slowdown in China's economy. But that's kind of interesting because Apple, stock I own, has recently gone from all-time highs of 130-ish down to below 100 today. That's a pretty big move down on the thought that China's consumer was slowing down because the number two market for Apple is China, and it's important. Down, down, down the go. The truth of the matter is, though, Tim Cook came out today and said, you know, I get reports every day from China, and we're not decelerating in China, we're accelerating in China. So sometimes when there's market disconnects like this, and I'm not saying this is a disconnect, because his his angle could be granular, but sometimes when there's disconnects like this, that's the time to buy. Apple's a cheap stock. Ford's a cheap stock. There's a lot of cheap stocks out there. Despite Beijing's efforts to restore calm, the Chinese stock market has taken investors on a wild ride this summer. Last week, the government announced a depreciation of the country's currency stoking fear that the economic slowdown there was even worse than they had let on. On Friday, more bad news. Gage manufacturing showed the key sector on the mainland is continuing to contract. What happens in China matters. There's no doubt about it. Not just because it's the world's second biggest economy. Falling Chinese demand has sent prices plunging for all matters of commodities. Iron, copper, oil. <clears throat> I want to touch an oil stock right now. Wait till you start to see it moving Up. Even if you don't catch the bottom, you're also not going to catch a falling knife. Oil is a problem. It is a big problem in the United States. Today, if you're a mortgage lender, probably a darn good time to lock that uh, mortgage loan. In large part because the 10-year treasury collapsed to under 2% again. It's crazy. Um, Have you ever watched, like, little 8-year-olds playing soccer? It's crazy out there. They don't hold their positions. They just run into the ball. There's no form or unity or anything along those lines. Um what's gonna work right now and probably in the next five months are domestic companies inside the United States, consumer companies inside the United States, falling oil when oil down to thirty eight dollars a barrel, looks like it's on its way to thirty because of world demand and because of China. If China's not consuming oil and manufacturing things, oil oil's gonna get lower. Iran has said, you know, we we want to make more of an effort to be a real country. So we're gonna pump our oil. Thank you, world, for that nuclear deal. Oil companies like, oh, why did you do that? Now there's even more oil. We're fracking in the United States. We've gone from a world of like, I wonder when we're going to run out of oil to, darn, isn't there a lot of oil laying around. Um, so it's a little bit of a free fall, but where we opened this morning versus where we are now, it's completely different. And we've already started to rebuild some confidence. Today not today. Typically after big down days, there's the next day when, you know, mutual fund people call their stockbrokers and say, I need you to sell my mutual funds. So there's been a rout in global equities to begin the week. The aggressive selling interest, which follows Friday's aggressive sell-off, comes on the heels of a dastardly showing by Asian Pacific markets, which featured an 8.5% decline for China's Shanghai Composite and a 4.6% drop in Japan's Nikkei. Investor disappointment over any lack of direct monetary stimulus from China. We want free money. The blessing clearly that didn't help markets. You know, the reported catalyst for things at this point in time, uh, money stimulus. You know, authorities gave pension funds of local governments the blessing to invest in the stock market for the first time ever. So China's like they're trying to figure out capitalism. I want to say, and this is you know not this is kind of totally ridiculous. I mean, but as soon as they got the the Summer Olympics a couple years ago, they really, really, really have tried to show the world that they're they're legit. As my good friend Nimsey Hammer said. Too legit, too legit to quit. So now they're like, they're pulling these levers like the the Wizard of Oz, to see, like, okay, maybe we should let people invest in stocks. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should let pensions invest in stocks. So they're trying to get there, and they're trying to figure out what sticks and what doesn't. Um, economic slowdown concerns remain at through the things. As optimistic as I am right now about the U.S. economy, our unemployment numbers. Our inflation numbers, like low oil, buy the airlines, buy domestic airlines. Because if people have jobs and they see cheap gasoline and cheap oil, they're going to travel. Because that's our nature. We spend our paychecks. There's been a flight to safety, 10-year treasury now under 10%. Let me see where it is right now. Under 2%, excuse me. 10-year treasury under 2%. (laughs) 1.91. that's Awesome. You could say that the sell off in stocks doesn't actually make sense as people as the tenure trend cheaper and cheaper as it goes under to two, I buy stocks. I'm sorry, but three months from now I'm gonna be paid off of this. And if not, three to five years from now I will. Last time we had, you know, mayhem like this, you went up three hundred percent in six years. Now that mayhem went a lot further south than this one. This is not bad. This is like waking up with your st- you're, you're not waking up. It's like playing football and getting your your pinky toe stubbed. There's a lot worse that could happen in this market. It could get more violent. I welcome it if it does. The weaker dollar isn't helping dollar denominate commodity prices because investors look at the U.S. and say, we want there. Now, is there any chance the Federal Reserve raises interest rates in September now? No way. That kind of went kablooey on Friday. Even though they could, based on low inflation and... Um, the jobs numbers in the United States, the pace of selling in the United States stock market has been quick. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped more than 1,000 points, 5.8% last week, leaving it in a so-called correction mode. Correction is 10% back from the recent highs. S&P 500 hit that this morning as well. Whether reality brings out the buy the dip crowd remains to be seen. I think you'll get a little bit of that today, but you'll probably get more of it tomorrow. Out again after some mutual funds cash out and, you know, some margin calls have to get pushed through today. Anyway, I'm Rob Black. Pick up the phone, give me a call, 800 516 1220. If you don't get the obvious intent of this song, you're missing something in life. 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black. Drop me an email at rob at robblack.com.
3: True, but I never thought that I would have
1: to leave you. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Anything you want to talk about? Big, big sell-off on Wall Street. How big, you say? Let's take a look at, like, the high flyers. You have to categorize stocks, right? You have high flyers. You've got growth. You've got growth and income. Like, a high flyer could be Amazon or Netflix. A growth stock may be what's called Facebook. A growth and income may be Apple, because it pays a dividend as well. So let's take a look at a couple of these. Amazon's down 21 bucks today. Down four point four percent. Taking a look at a chart of the company in let's say last six months, how has it done? It's up huge. It's gone from three fifty to where it is today, four hundred seventy one. Does that sound like a correction? Well it does kind of sound like a correction because at one point in time it was five hundred and thirty or five hundred and forty bucks. So five forty to four hundred seventy, or do you see it the way I see it and see three hundred fifty to four seventy? Does it feel good? No, it doesn't feel good. Let's pull up another one, Netflix. High-flying stocks have, like, no P.E. High-flying stocks have a great story. High-flying stocks have a high valuation. And when there's a correction, they're the first ones to get shot. I don't know if I could do a a Holocaust reference. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't know if I could do a terrorist reference. Oh, sure, let's do a terrorist. Let's do a diehard. It's the loudmouth salesman that, that gives up where the cops hidden in the, in the building. He's the first one to get shot. Or if you were to do a Mad Max parody. Uh, it's the, the fat governor of a, of a city that, you know, the good guy's just stumbled upon a city and he wants to save him. And the fat governor's like, oh, no, you don't. The next thing you know, the bad guy kills the fat guy. So Netflix down $3.77 today. So that one had a recent high of 130, and now it's at 100. Did you like it at 130? You better love it at 100. Is Netflix a great company? Yes, but it trades at 200 times earnings. The stock market trades at 16 times earnings. So you're paying a premium for that that hyper growth, right? If you take a look at uh, Netflix, it's actually trading at next year. It's a you know they're going to lose even more money, but they're trying to build their business for the future. Now at one point in time today, uh, Netflix was down in the low 90s, but it really wasn't down in the low 90s and high 80s. That's The machines were like kicking in like what they thought the price should be, but buyers weren't buying and sellers weren't selling. They delayed the opening. You know, again, it's tough to explain and, and put in a good perspective. Let's jump to Facebook real quick. Take a look at how that stock's doing today. They're down at 83 bucks. I told you that I liked it in the mid, mid-90s. I'm thinking about picking up some shares here. Maybe not today, maybe tomorrow, but maybe today. Um, trades at eighty four times earnings. What? Are you kidding me? Um t- 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 Ford PE of about thirty times earnings. Okay. So it, it has a high valuation, it's growth stock. It doesn't look it doesn't pay a dividend. Now you get to like the tech company that everyone knows and loves, Apple. what the record I own shares of Apple. Apple's trading at one hundred and five dollars. At one point in time today, it was under $100, but nope, nope. Um, it's got a 2% dividend yield. Tim Cook came out today and said, you know, hey, we're actually seeing a pickup in China, not a slowdown. What's going on? Like, what are you, where are you getting your news, people? So is it at its 52-week high of 134? No. Are stocks always at their 52-week high? No. Should they be? No. Have you ever had a great, passionate love? Was it always great and passion every single time? Have you ever been a runner and like you did that four-minute mile? Were you able to do it the next day? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you needed a day off. Maybe you took a couple months off after a knee injury. We have a knee injury in the stock market. That knee injury is corporate profits have been pretty blah. We have a knee injury in the sense that oil prices have been down. Usually consumers take that savings from gasoline and they spend it. Now they're saving it. But that's a good thing and a bad thing in my book, Right? Saving money is not a bad thing. Take a look at Colgate Palmolive as a stock. In times of like high market volatility, go to companies that have been around since you were a little kid. Go to companies that you think will be around when your little kid has a little kid. And, you know, they need diapers for their babies. Following the little kid analogy. But also following the consumer product thought. Now, Colgate-Palmolive has a big international exposure. So maybe you go, you know, Rob, I'm just not feeling that. Maybe I want to get a little more domestic. Um, because the global markets are in trouble right now. With cheap price of oil, you're going to see terrorism spike. Because a lot of countries in the world produce oil as their number one business. And people are unhappy. People are happy when they're producing oil and it's high and they're making money. People are unhappy when they get fired. Colgate-Palmolive olive takes a bite out of the grime. Um, Toothbrushes, mouthwash, dental floss. It owns Toms of Maine. Ajax, you know, that cleaner. Um, olive dishwashing soap, soft soap. I love soft soap. One of the dumbest things in the world. Like, hey, I can't pick up a bar of soap and rub it between my hands. I got to get soft soap. But, yep, they do it. Um, Speed stick deodorant. There's going to be a lot of stinky people in 200 countries around the world. Today and tomorrow, Colgate-Palmolive is one of those companies trying to fight that. I know you're saying, they're trying to fight stinky people. Yes! 52-week high, $71. It's 63 It's on sale today. 2.3% dividend yield. Uh, do I think that it's going to make you money in a month? I don't know. I think this market could get beaten up a lot worse. Sometimes on the way down, it's uh, kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So My goal for you right now is you should have some cash. And if you've got Netflix in the last six months, you've made money. If you had it in the last two, three years, you've made money. Consider selling some because those are still the high flyers. The ones that are most in dangerous right now are the high flyers. The ones that are least amount of danger are the high quality dividend stocks, the Russell 2000, because those are small cap U.S. companies. Russell 2000, we're at 5.3% unemployment in the United States. That's not bad. Now, I don't think it's real unemployment. I mean, I'm a little jaded in seeing some of the government numbers that come out because I have friends, and I'm like, are you making as much as you want? Nope. And again, that's a stupid question, right? Because how much do you want to make? $1 billion is the right answer. But there's no recession in sight. Our banks are in a better position than we were six years ago when our banks failed. There was a lot of bad mortgage loans out there. Today, the last six years to get a mortgage loan, it's like getting a proctology exam. It's not fun, and it's not pleasant. It takes some time. I've got a proctology story that's fascinating. And I can tell it kind of cleanly on the air. But ultimately, at one point in time, I thought I had cancer. I didn't think I had cancer. Doctors were checking to see if I had cancer because I had blood in my urine. And, well, let's just say the proctology story ends with it took a little bit longer than I thought. And it was kind of like that scene from a Chevy Chase movie where you start singing moon river. Uh, Fletch So, pretty funny story. Anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Pick the phone, give me a call today. I'd like to get your perspective on market corrections. 800 516 1220. Do they scare you? Or do you love them like I do?
1: Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Last week was awful for world markets and this week is also off to a horrible start. There's some calming numbers out there. I don't know if they calm you. But historically, after a big drop, things aren't necessarily going to be bad forever and ever. A weekly drop of 5% or more has only happened 28 times since 1980. If you're trying to decide what to do this week, think about this. In the weeks following the S&P, where it had a 5% decline, look had last week, On average, the market is relatively flat the next week, up 1.65% of the next four weeks and up over 5% of the next 12 weeks. Also, it's important to note that 60% of the time the index moves higher the following week. So bad weeks are buying opportunities. Now, that may not sell with you. That may not like fit into your head and you may go, I'm scared. I just saw my 401k go from 180,000 to 170, 165. Don't make a problem for yourself. Um, Again, would I invest in oil? Probably not yet. The world is slowing down, and they're pumping out more of it, and that's a bad combo. I own oil stocks in my S&P 500, S&P 500 in my 401k. Most of us own the s 500 on some levels. Maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 5% of your portfolio. Um, and oil is a big part of the U.S. economy, whether it's the transportation of it, whether it's the shipping of it, whether it's the gasoline, whether it's the refineries, whether uh, it's, it's a big play. Now, we could call today Black Monday. Chinese stocks were absolutely hammered over, overnight down 8.5%. If you've ever listened to me or with any consistency, I don't really trust the data out of China. We can see that it's growing. We can see that, you know, there's some wealth being created for sure. Take a look at real estate in the Bay Area, a lot of Chinese buyers in cash. Go to a mountain resort this winter, you'll see a lot of Chinese skiers, whereas 10 years ago you didn't. Um, so you can see that China's growing. The chaos has been bubbling away in Chinese markets for months. It's spread to local markets. European stock exchanges swallowed steep losses today. Um, Deutsche Bank says Chinese shares have broken the July lows. Look like they're completing a full three-wave bubble unwind. Historically, initial crash balance is followed by a retest and takeout of the lows. This is now being experienced despite the best efforts of the authorities. In the end, I'm a pretty big believer that governments can't really control the stock market. Not 100% like they want to. They could probably, you know, contain some problems, you know, shut down the banks for a while, things along those lines. But when you shut down the banks, you're just telling the world, hey, like when they shut down banks in Greece, uh, you're just saying to the people who have money, they're like, um, the moment I c- can get my money, I will get my money. And your problems going to become bigger. So Deutsche Bank went on to say, when assets have been misallocated, the unwind is almost impossible to stop unless you're compounding the issue for the future with even greater excesses. So since the you know, the, the people of China have widened the float, global growth concerns have trumped the expectation of yet more intervention, though that expectation will be rising by the minute. Investec says of Shanghai today, the Shanghai index is currently 7.4% down on the day, not helped by the absence of a much-rumored cut in the reserve requirements. And despite stories about government pension funds being enabled to buy Chinese stocks, should this volatility continue over the next couple of weeks, a Fed rate hike in September will be off the cards. Although it's perfectly feasible for conditions to settle down well before then, U.S. markets are now pricing a 25% chance of a hike next month. One more commentary on China, because China's a large part of the headache right now. Oppenheimer went on to say. We think putting the Chinese currency devaluation of August 11 and the subsequent pullback in global equity markets that's raised more than $5 trillion in global stock prices since August 11 into perspective is key to avoid missing the forest with trees and seeing the difference between opportunities and risks that lie across the global economic and market landscape. In our opinion, last week's market action in hindsight will likely prove to be as practical and necessary to the market's response to Chinese devaluation as a rancher's seasonal shearing of the sheep rather than sheer madness of the character portrayed in the classic movie thriller, Silence of the Lambs. So they're kind of using a lamb reference, (laughs) saying you need to take some air out of the bubble China. So we're going to shear it. Now, The Silence of the Lambs, obviously Anthony Hopkins, great movie. Uh, You can't let Crazy go for too long, otherwise he's going to start eating people. And the Chinese stock market has been crazy. Um, but what's frustrating from a our perspective is we don't really know what the hell's going on in China. Like I think that's a country where we still can't even carry in you know camera uh, phones with uh, cameras on them, right? The people's bank of China remains in a see what sticks mode, and a lot of people would say that our Federal Reserve did everything we could to stimulate our economy as well. Um, so. Just talking it up a little bit with you. And again, I don't want people to get too freaked out. Uh, I want you to have a shopping list. And I want you to see, like, things are okay in the U.S. And again, we still do face the problem of what's it going to look like when interest rates do move higher. Um, And that's still out there. And, you know, the wage inequality, still out there. But low oil, that's going to be good for us. In large part, the consumer, and we're a consumer-driven economy. And if the economy is driven, then we're a stock market that reflects the economy. Um, Again, you got to think at Russell 2000 at this point in time, as far as you know, protecting yourself. And then you start looking for low-value companies that you feel comfortable with their dividends. And then, if you want to get in some high flyers, this might be your opportunity. Now, again, Netflix down big, Amazon's down big. Tesla's down big, but they're all up in the last six months, still after they're down big in the short term. Right on CFP, Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? How are you? I'm well. So what do you make of the market action or the market madness in the last uh, four trading sessions?
4: Well, I think we're just long overdue for this. I mean, the way that we talk about these things all the time is that investors have short-term memories. They forget that these things happen. And these are the reasons why you have long-term planning strategies like, the plan that I always talk about, which is the you know three five seven plan, three years worth of expenses in cash when you go into retirement, and plans on how you're going to draw on the rest of your portfolio and rebalance the portfolio. The rebalancing opportunity, though, for people that follow that, there's going to be a point in time when hey, you've got some cash, you've got some bonds, you'll be able to rebalance and take advantage of these opportunities. A lot of this is is by China, right? Sure. And it's it's interesting when you look at this and you, you hear these terms of the global equity wipeout. I mean, earlier in the year, which started in March and went to April, the Chinese stock market was up 20% in two months. I mean, people were treating it as a slot machine. You, you, you saw these reports of people on TV sitting in front of screens and groups and basically throwing darts at the board, watching everything go up. So a correction – It was well overdue there. You don't have a market that's healthy when it goes up 20% in two months. So the first part of the wipeout until this morning was basically just a wipeout of the ridiculous gains that the market in China had in a two-month period. I mean, until this morning, the Shanghai Index was actually still positive year to date. So it's, it's it's not a situation where it's a global equity wipeout. It's basically wiping out all the speculation that's there. The timing of it's awful because of currency issues and because of the idea that the Federal Reserve was going to raise interest rates, which is probably, you know, off the table at this point in September, Rob. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. Because, I mean, the, the IMF is warning the feds don't raise interest rates at this point in time. There's too much currency turmoil. So a lot of this stuff is kind of repricing. A lot of the what we're seeing today, first of all, is the market bouncing well off its lows. What was happening um, last week is mutual funds trying to kind of chase returns and get get to the point where, you know, they're trying to catch up with the indexes that they're trailing in many cases, um, had the lowest level of cash in years. So what we saw is that capitulation that, okay, people are going to start redeeming. You get these emails from people, oh, should I go to cash now? The market's dropped. Well, that's the worst time to go to cash. yet that, That's what the retail investors do. They go to cash at the last minute. What's that force the mutual fund managers to do? They have to raise cash. And so some of the prices that people sold for this morning when the market was way down, they're going to regret so badly in the next couple of years. I mean, it's just going to be, they're going to look back and say, this is the worst decision I ever made because they invested with emotions and with fear rather than sticking to a plan. Um, we're actually seeing stocks that we've been wanting to, to look at. But they were well above our price targets, coming to the level of being very attractive. So I kind of drool when these things happen. Like, where where can we be three to five years from now as a result of what's going on today? There's right. actually some pretty pretty great opportunities. What's The, the, the thing that's really interesting, though, is the okay. decline in emerging markets and even now some of the international developed markets, gotcha. some the ETFs, that uh, have dropped a lot, but we saw currency issues. And there's some great values there as well.
2: CFP Chad Burke and you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com that's newfocusfinancial.com giving us a reassuring message it may get worse from here but giving us a reassuring message about the future
3: the I, the I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones. I'm So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
2: I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting the show. We've been talking about a market correction for probably 18 months. It's going to happen at some point in time. Stocks don't always go up. Stocks actually benefit from going down at times. I can assure you what's going on on Wall Street right now is no horror story. The Dow Jones would sell thousands of times of earnings of its component companies rather than 10 to 20 times if it always went up. You want some sort of valuation that makes sense. When you buy a stock or a stock market, if it's traded at 15 times earnings, that means it could take, you know, 15 years, 15 quarters. Like, it's the price of the stock compared to its earnings. Its current earnings, you know, projected earnings, past earnings are all kind of factored in, depending on what sort of metric you're looking for and looking at. Under the weight of this reality, stocks would eventually fall no matter what you did if we didn't have corrections. So, historically, let's say the stock market trades between 10 and 20 times earnings. And when you're at 12, like we were six years ago, it's cheap historically, and recently we got as high as 17 and 18 and that's expensive. It's trending towards expensive historically. There's been times of, like, greatness the late 90s where we're like, we'll pay 23 times earnings because we're just inventing this thing called the Internet, and it's going to make things really special. Your 2% milk will be a little bit, be like, no, 2% milk won't be more special because of the Internet. We got kind of silly. We got kind of overstepping our bounds. And we had a bigger correction. In 2006, well, in most of the 2000s, we had what were called liar loans, where I make six figures. I deserve to, I, I, I've i got good credit. I can certainly see myself owning a home, and the banks could certainly see it. Now, the problem is, I wanted a six-figure home with a six-figure salary. So, If I wanted a $500,000 house, historically I have to make about $200,000. You do two and a half times your salary. But back in the 2000s, we were like, okay, we'll give it to you, Rob. You you got it. But then my radio producer, who let's say he's making 15 bucks an hour 10 hours a week, he was like, I want a house too. And the banks were like, how much do you make? Like, I'm not telling you. And they're like, just tell us any number and we'll write it down. And yeah, they did. And then the bank started selling these loans, which were called liar loans, and packaged them together. And they sold them, you know, thousands at a time. Homeownership was going crazy. Everyone wanted to own real estate. And we gave loans to everyone. We were stupid. We gave loans to low-income people that should have been middle-income type of loans. We gave high-end loans to people that were middle-end customers. And that created a really big problem for Wall Street because their balance sheets, they didn't know what the hell they owned. When you package loans together and you assume that the loan's gonna perform, but a greater number of loans failed because there's liar loans. And when a greater number happens and you have to account for it with your, your business model, which incorporates leverage, you get hosed. That's what happened. 2006 likely won't happen again. What happened there 2006 with um, 2008 with banks kind of imploding, Probably won't happen again. In large part, eh, let's say it correctly. Probably won't happen again for another 20 years. Right now, credit credit is tight. Standards are high. But down the road, some senators are going to say, you know what? My constituents, they deserve, just because they're lower income, they deserve a home. And we'll start going, no. And that senator will go, okay, then I'm going to take away, I'm going to penalize you, bank. And okay, we'll do it. We'll do whatever you say. Just don't penalize us and we'll start making bad loans again. It'll happen again. Maybe it'll be 20 years, maybe it'll be 25, maybe it'll be 30, but it'll happen again. So this scenario right now that we're in, we have great, not great, good unemployment numbers in the United States. That's not creating a lot of inflation. So 5.3% unemployment, I don't know. The, the real number is probably closer to six, six and a half, right? People who want to work but don't get enough hours, people who want to work but don't do the jobs that they want to get. I think we have a classic fear of the unknown, of what the hell's going on in China. China was up 20% earlier this year. They've wiped off the froth. Corrections are great at wiping off the froth. And let me explain the froth. In 2000 when I moved to the Bay Area. I had a six-figure salary. And I deserved, you know, a woman, a high-quality woman. Right? Is that fair to say? I I think maybe I'm stretching a bit. I had a good lifestyle, a good car, a good salary. I was attractive to women, all 32T. But the problem was in 2000, that was the dot-com era where kids were coming out of college with purple hair. And they were getting six-figure salaries. And I had just worked 10 years to get that six-figure salary. I had built a company from scratch. And then like um, there was a web company that was trying to get smells through the internet into your computer. I'm not making this up. They were trying to get smells through the computer, through the internet, to your computer. There were companies that were delivering dog food. There were companies that were delivering groceries. There was companies that were delivering, uh, you name it, we had the dot-com. If you didn't have a dot-com, you were a dot-nothing. So a lot of kids coming out of college walked into this situation like, I've got a pulse. I could work for you. The company says, you're hired. Unemployment, 3% there. Like, anyone that had a pulse got hired. And then like these companies would look at each other and go, you know what? I need the guy who is actually smart. So I'm going to pay him more. And the guy who was kind of smart got paid more because he moved in the kind of like they all, there was just this wonderful flow. And that's why we created the 2002, 2002, 2000 until 2002. For some reason, it's tough for me to say 2002, 2002. I don't know why. I think I've had a stroke. If I ever have a stroke, I'll do it on air. I promise. I will be like Dick Clark in that very, very uncomfortable New Year's Eve uh, countdown. So no recession in sight. Banks are okay. Yes, we want China to succeed, and yes, they're having some growing pains. China to me is like the United States back in the 20s and 30s, where prohibition was there, and like our, their government was like, "You can do this, no, you can do this, no, you can do this." We we grew in fits and bounds. I mean, we were jerky. There was no doubt about it. Unfortunately, we don't know a lot of what's going on in China. Very secretive society. It's getting less so. Um, we are in a correction. We're not down 20% for the year. We're not in a bear market. Could we hit a bear market? Sure. And you know what? I say bring it on. Because I look more attractive according to Darwin. Because I'm not speculating as much as other people are. And corrections in bear markets kill speculators. Kills them. So, like, Alibaba was a speculative stock last year, an IPO out of China, and they do a lot of retailing in China. Like, they promote Singles Day, um, which, eh, the 101 or something like that. Um, And they're like the Amazon of of China. They're below their IPO price now. They've got a lot of exposure to China and a lot of exposure to um, China's government. That's not where I want to be right now. Um, Low oil is going to help the United States. It's going to help the airlines. So look for opportunities here. Low interest rates, the 10-year treasury today, where does it sit right now? It sits at 1.92%. Refinance your mortgage. Use weakness to buy stocks that you really want, it, like the Russell 2000. Or maybe you wanted Apple at a fairer valuation than it was a couple weeks ago. This is stressful, I get it, but it's headline stressful. Until you sell it, it's just a paper loss, it's not a real loss. Be smart here, don't be stupid, I'm Rob Black.
1: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The beers, the world's biggest diamond producer, lowered prices after production cuts failed to support demand for the precious stones. The Anglo-American unit reduced prices 9%. So if you bought a diamond a week ago, it's worth 9% less now. Beers plans to offer about $250 million of diamonds for sale. There's just not a lot of demand for it. I say when you get engaged, go cubic zirconium. She'll never know the difference. And your wallet will. I say love your wallet as much as you love your woman. And woman, if you get said diamond that's a cubic zirconium, um, don't freak out. Go with it. Starting a marriage in debt because you want a rock on your finger? It's ridiculous. Talk about marketing. We're just big old suckers for stupidity. Let's talk a little markets again. Markets are getting pretty beaten up in the last week. And they're not getting the, where we go at the end of the day today, I don't know. I can tell you that we do have a long way to go on the downside. I, I I'm not, That doesn't scare me. Worldwide stocks got crushed starting in Asia today, going into Europe. I want to go through, again, history where back in 2000 when I arrived in the Bay Area with a nice job, suddenly a lot of college kids arrived in the Bay Area with a, a great job, too. And, well, I had had a few beers, so I wasn't quite as in shape as they were. I wasn't a 20-year-old. Um, but over time in 2002 when, you know, the 2000 to 2002 when the Internet's imploded, when we go, you know, web van delivering groceries to your home really doesn't make sense right now. 10 years, 15 years later, we figured it out how to do it, or Amazon did. But it was a great idea then ahead of its time, and they just spent too much money. Too many people were giving them money to say, go get revenue and not get earnings. So I was a guy who had earned his way into a nice position. Some college kids kind of stepped into it. And when the recession hit, the tech recession, they had to move back home and live with mom and dad, and I still had my place. So I became more attractive at that point in time. This is exactly what's happening right now. The only reason stocks can go up is because they can go down. It is this risk that keeps investors in check and it keeps people from paying an infinite amount of money for stock and shares. The reintroduction of risk in the context of the summer sell-off is the best thing that could possibly have happened. A lot of people in the last six years, they think they're smart because they bought a company. But the market's been good. A rising tide lifts all boats. There's examples throughout history where there's this belief that, you know, the value won't go down. Tulip mania. In Europe, they were paying thousands and thousands of dollars for a flower. Because it was so rare and unique. And whoops, that turned out to be a stupid mistake.
1: You can't fix stupid.
2: But the 1990s is probably the closest one that most of us will remember. Risk was a thing of the past. Alan Greenspan, who was the head of our Federal Reserve, he had put a fabled put underlying the market that had allowed him to reverse the crash of 1987 and contains you know global stock market calamity and currency crisis, crashes of 1998 stocks could only move higher thanks to the economy and demographics the only question on anyone's mind was how fast do we move so people threw money at the market chief strategists raised their market target every year in the 90s stock analysts were universally bullish some of them ultimately got sued because Why did you say that Yahoo is going to go to 1,000? At one point in time, it was 250. There was a new book out every other week about Dow 36,000 or Dow 100,000. Companies came public and were instantly rewarded with market caps of tens of billions of dollars just for showing up. In the end, did we need a Lycos and an excited home to go with Yahoo, to go with Google? No. We probably only need Google. Prices paid during that era came back to haunt people. And again, I bring that up, not trying to scare you, but trying to be, you know, give you that memory that things we were chasing. Um, You know, Netflix going up. Netflix has had a bad five days, but it's back to where it was right before it reported earnings a couple weeks ago. Does that sound like it's been horrible? No. Not in my book. But again, stocks have to have that ability to go down. They can't always go up. You have to have that ability or that flexibility or that inherent in the system kind of mentality. Fear is the most critical functioning cog in the investing machine. It's got to remain present in front of mind in order to have future upside for ca- investors to capture. They've got to know some downside. Long-term investors should cheer when fears reintroduce reintroduced the markets. I am happy today. I like down markets. Now I know they don't feel good. Um, there's been a lot of things that kind of scared me when I felt it for the first time. And I've got to keep this PG-rated or G-rated, so I'm not going to like the first time you got a kiss. I mean, I had crazy butterflies. Do you remember that incredible feeling? I do. This is kind of like that, but opposite. You have to feel uncomfortable to get the beauty of it in the long term. There's going to be. I saw. This was amazing. This morning I saw a commercial for gold. Russia's got more gold than the United States, and Iran does too. They're building it. The gold bugs come out when things get tough out there because they're playing off your fear. With all the turmoil in the market recently, this turmoil in the market, it's going to hit a lot of other areas. In this case, it's going to hit gold because it's based off a stronger dollar, and that's bad for gold. But it's also going to hit the real estate market. And yet you're going to hear real estate people go, see, look what's happened in the stock market. We were at an all-time high earlier this year. So don't you know, extrapolate, oh, no, I'm not at an all-time high today. Poor me. That's not how it works. Stock investors get paid for facing these fears. You have to man up to them or woman up, man up, woman up, whatever. I'm good with buy their sex up and when nobody fears anything, stocks no longer work. And then after six up years, like we need this because seven and like my radio producer is going to quit and start his own trading um, software app. Like, and he's radio guy. He's trained to push buttons. He's trained to hear like he can hear things in audio that I can't. But I know a little bit more about investing than he does. A fierce warlord invades a village during the civil wars that plagued Japan in feudal times. Everyone flees into the forest, but a single Buddhist monk who continues on with his meditation. The warlord hears of this and commands his soldiers to take him to the old master. Rather than give the order to kill, he is curious and wants to meet the man for himself. When the warlord reaches the temple, the old monk remains unmoved. He does not bow or show any deference. The warlord clutches at the hilt of his sword and bellows at him, You fool, don't you realize you are standing before a man who could chop you down right now without blinking an eye? And the monk calmly says, And you don't realize that you're standing before a man who could be chopped down right before you with blinking of an eye? You have to be that kind of guy that sticks around. You have to be the kind of guy that gets it. You have to be the guy who has a shopping list. Cheap oil means cheap gas. Cheap gas means Americans save more, and we've got low unemployment. We're looking, we're looking okay, but it's bumpy. But we're gonna get there. We're looking okay.
1: 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
2: I'm back. Thanks for listening. Get this. Some stocks are back as well. Apple's up 1% for the day. What started as a route has turned into cherry picking some stocks. Um, What the difference two hours makes. I mean, seriously, people. I'm actually not happy about it, to tell you the truth. I like routes, and I like breaking the momentum. Everyone was moving higher. I like breaking the, you know, oh, everything's going to be okay. And saying, sometimes things don't work out. There's a guy with a hockey basket at to the door. I hope no one ever crashes because they hear that. I think we should do a police iron. I think that would uh, scare people a little bit more. But anyway, um, I don't know. 800-516-1220... Uh, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Taking a look again, I'm just going to recap this. I think it's a classic fear of the unknown. I think there's a lot of problems in China. I think a correction of 10% is pretty normal, pretty healthy. I think a, a bear market of 20%, it feels a lot worse. And that that's sometimes when, like, if you're 60, 65, I'd be scared. I'd pee my pants. I would pee my pants. My skitties would have yellow all over them. And whoever does my laundry would look at them and go, holy mackerel, he peed his pants. But I'm not 65. I'm young, relatively speaking. And if I'm 30 or 20, like a kid, I'm like thrilled by this. The S&P 500 lost 6% last week. It's worst weekly slump since 2011. Oh my God, back in 2011, well when, oh God, that was only four or five years ago. That wasn't that long ago. And actually, 10% corrections happen... Every 18 months, 12 to 18 months. And we haven't had one in four and a half years. China was up big this year, and we've wiped off some of the froth. I like wiping off the froth, whether it's the kids coming out of college in 2000 6 figure jobs, getting a correction to send them back home, whether it's the everyone should own a house froth in 2006 and starting a real estate correction then, or whether it's now where big international companies have been moving higher. There's a lot of unknowns out there, like, what's going on with China? And uh, Jim Cramer got an email from Tim Cook today where, you know, last week we were like, well, if the Chinese stock market's down, then the Chinese consumer will have less money, and the Chinese consumer has less money, then he probably won't buy a phone. And Tim Cook emailed him today and said, you know, this may be granular, but we're actually accelerating, and uh, iTunes actually had the best two months ever in the last two months. He might have said two weeks. I may have it making that up. I think he said two months. Um that's weird for a CEO to be paying attention to the stock market. I don't like that. But that's the only thing negative I'm going to say here. We've had government shutdowns. Do you remember we had government shutdowns where the Republicans didn't like Obama so much and the Democrats? They just wanted to approve a budget and vice versa. They hated each other.
3: Washington's made things worse.
2: There's a fear of the euro collapse. There's a U.S. debt default. We're like, oh, no, we may not pay our bills and maybe people won't get Social Security. We got to throw it. This market has seen literally the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. It's seen War, War I, World War One, World War Two. It's seen Kennedy get assassinated. Reagan nearly assassinated. It's seen high oil, low oil. It's seen recessions. It's seen Iraq War One, Iraq War II, Korea. And it's okay. We're at market high seven out of ten years. We were at a market high earlier this year. So uh, China slowing down, it's a problem because they're a big economy. But there's some evidence that they're not slowing down. There's some evidence that their stock market's stupid. But I've been saying that for 18 months that I've been shifting more towards domestic because I don't like what's going on in Europe. I think the values are in Europe. I don't like what's going on in Asia, so I've cut Asia completely out. I don't like the bond market. I've cut it completely out. I think we're in a better position than we were six years ago where banks were doing stupid loans. And some of them collapsed because of it. Hear, hear. I say you have to know the risks that are out there. There are boogeymen. If you put your hand down a, a trash disposer, there's a chance it comes on automatically. And your hand gets mangled. don't do it. Okay, there's probably not a chance that it comes on automatically, but I still don't like doing it. <laughs> or the best one yet is when someone puts their hand in the disposer, and you go, what does this switch do? <laughs> and you go, Rrr. Ooh, sorry about your paw. paw. Corrections are natural. They're beautiful. Um, I'm not on my best every day. It, but when I have a bad day, it makes me think, what can I do better? There's fears about China. There's plunging oil. That's a big problem. Worldwide, I predict terrorism goes up because there will be more poverty. And nothing drives people to fanatics like poverty. In the United States, I turned on a commercial this morning, and it was an oil. Russia's got more gold than the United States. Big whoop de doo is what I say to that, you gold bugs out there. Big whoop-de-do, you were kind of hot in the 1600s when we're sailing the seas trying to find gold for the queen. But we don't tra- we don't trade on gold anymore. Try to go into a grocery store this week and buy with gold. See what they do. You're probably gonna end up locked up. Americans choosing to pay off debt with their savings in oil. That's a good thing where our balance sheets are better. I know my balance sheets in the last six years because of low interest rates and refinancing three properties, I'm much better off. Great Google and Moogla, I'm doing okay. Great Google and Moogla. Now, Netflix, Amazon, Tesla, they scare me. Twitter scares me. Alibaba scares me because they're all high valuation. Hold on, wait, let me do that again. Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, it scares me. Twitter and Alibaba scares me. I want to do an Alibaba because it's got Chinese <laughs> exposure in China. Ooh. L- Low oil means cheap gas, which means consumer savings. Think buying airlines. Am I saying this is going to be over today or tomorrow? No. It may It may have some ramifications. It may go lower. We tend to overshoot up and we tend to overshoot down. I can find some names. Russell 2000. Names like Verizon. They don't do the business in Europe or China. Palm Olive. people are always going to have to brush their teeth in good economies and bad economies. Anyway, reach out to me if you need to. Rob at RobBlack.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.